We were bored and alone with COVID at play. Nothing to do with our lives through the day. Then we decided to put on a play. Let's try braving the bard. Hello everyone and welcome to Braving the Bard. I'm Allie. And I'm Val. Get ready for a Midsummer Night's Dream. Fair Hippolyta, our nuptial hour draws on apace. Four happy days bring in another moon. But, oh, methinks how slow this old moon wanes. She lingers my desires like to a stepdame or a dowager, long withering out a young man's revenue. Four days will quickly steep themselves in night. Four nights will quickly dream away the time, and then the moon, like to a silver bow, new bent in heaven, shall behold the night of our solemnities. Go, Philostrate, stir up the Athenian youth to merriment. Awake the pert and nimble spirit of mirth. Turn melancholy forth to funerals. The pale companion is not for our pomp. Hippolyta, I woo thee with my sword, and won thy love doing thee injuries, but I will wed thee in another key, with pomp, with triumph, and with reveling. Happy be Theseus, our renowned duke. Thanks, good Aegeus. What's the news with thee? Full of vexation come I with complaint against my child, my daughter Hermia. Stand forth, Demetrius. My noble lord, this man hath my consent to marry her. Stand forth, Lysander. And... My gracious duke, this man hath bewitched the bosom of my child. Thou, thou, Lysander, thou hast given her rhymes and interchanged love tokens with my child. 
thou hast by moonlight at her window sung with feigning voice verses of feigning love and stolen the impression of her fantasy with bracelets of thy hair, rings, gauds, conceits, knacks, trifles, nosegays, sweetmeats, messengers of strong prevailment in unhardened youth. With cunning hast thou filched my daughter's heart, turned her obedience, which is due to me, to stubborn harshness. And, my gracious duke, be it so she will not hear before your grace consent to marry with Demetrius, I beg the ancient privilege of Athens. As she is mine, I may dispose of her, which shall be either to this gentleman or to her death according to our law, immediately provided in that case. What say you, Hermia? Be advised, fair maid, to you your father should be as a god, one that composed your beauties, yea, and one to whom you are but as a form in wax, by him imprinted, and within his power to leave the figure or disfigure it. Demetrius is a worthy gentleman. So is Lysander. In himself he is, but in this kind, wanting your father's voice, the other must be held the worthier. I would, my father looked but with my eyes. Rather, your eyes must with his judgment look. I do entreat your grace to pardon me. I know not by what power I am made bold nor how it may concern my modesty in such a presence here to plead my thoughts. But I beseech your grace that I may know the worst that may befall me in this case if I refuse to wed Demetrius. Either to die the death or to abjure forever the society of men. Therefore, fair Hermia, question your desires. Know of your youth, examine well your blood. Whether, if you yield not to your father's choice, you can endure the livery of a nun. For I, to be in shady cloister, mewed, to live a barren sister all your life, chanting faint hymns to the cold, fruitless moon. Thrice blessed they that master sow their blood to undergo such maiden pilgrimage, but earthlier happy is the rose distilled than that which, withering on the virgin thorn, grows, lives, and dies in single blessedness. So I will grow, so live, so die, my lord, ere I will yield my virgin patent up unto his lordship, whose unwished yoke my soul consents not to give sovereignty. Take time to pause. And by the next new moon, the sealing day betwixt my love and me for everlasting bond of fellowship, upon that day, either prepare to die for disobedience to your father's will, or else to wed Demetrius as he would, or on Diana's altar to protest for I austerity and single life. Relent, sweet Hermia, and Lysander yield thy grace title to my certain right. You have her father's love, Demetrius. Let me have Hermia's. Do you marry him? Oh, scornful Lysander. True, he hath my love, 
and what is mine my love shall render him, and she is mine, and all my right of her I do estate unto Demetrius. I am my lord, as well derived as he, as well possessed, my love is more than his, my fortunes every way as fairly ranked, if not with vantage, as Demetrius, and... Which is more than all these boasts can be, I am beloved of beauteous Hermia. Why should not I then persecute my right? Demetrius, I'll avouch it to his head, made love to Nadar's daughter, Helena, and won her soul, and she, sweet lady, dotes, devoutly dotes, dotes in idolatry upon this spotted and inconstant man. I must confess that I have heard so much, and with Demetrius thought to have spoke thereof, but... Being over full of self-affairs, uh, my mind did lose it. But, Demetrius, come, and come, Aegeus, you shall go with me. I have some private schooling for you both. For you, fair Hermia, look you arm yourself to fit your fancies to your father's will, or else the law of Athens yields you up, which by no means we may extenuate, to death or to a vow of single life. Come, my Hippolyta, what cheer, my love, Demetrius and Aegeus, go along. I must employ you in some business against our nuptial, and confer with you of something nearly that concerns yourselves. How now, my love? Why is your cheek so pale? How chance the roses there do fade so fast? Belike for want of rain, which I could well beteem them from the tempest of my eyes. Ah, me! For aught that I could ever read could ever hear by tale or history. The course of true love never did run smooth, but either it was different in blood... Ugh, cross! Too high to be enthralled to low. Or else misgraft in respect of years. Oh, spite! Too old to be engaged to young. Or else it stood upon the choice of friends. Oh, hell! To choose love by another's eyes. Or... If there were a sympathy in choice, war, death, or sickness did lay siege to it, making it momentary as a sound, swift as a shadow, short as any dream, brief as the lightning in the coiled night that in a spleen unfolds both heaven and earth, and ere a man hath power to say, Behold, the jaws of darkness do devour it up. So quick bright things come to confusion. If then true lovers have ever been crossed, it stands as an edict in destiny. Then let us teach our trial patience, because it is a customary cross, as due to lovers as thoughts and dreams and sighs, wishes and tears, poor fancy's followers. A good persuasion. Therefore, hear me, Hermia. I have a widow aunt a dowager of great revenue, and she hath no child. From Athens is her house remote seven leagues, and she respects me as her only son. There, gentle Hermia, may I marry thee, and to that place the sharp Athenian law cannot pursue us. If thou lovest me, then steal forth thy father's house tomorrow night, and in the wood a league without the town, where I did meet thee once with Helena to do observance to a morn of May, there will I stay for thee. Oh, my good Lysander, I swear to thee by Cupid's strongest bow, by his best arrow with golden head, 
by the simplicity of Venus's doves, by that which knitteth souls and prospers loves, and by that fire which burned the Carthage queen when the false Trojan under sail was seen, by all the vows that ever man have broke, in number more than ever woman spoke, in that same place thou hath appointed me, tomorrow, truly, I will meet with thee. Keep promise, love. Look, here comes Helena. Godspeed, fair Helena. Whither away? Call you me fair? <laughs> that fair again? Unsay. Demetrius loves your fair. Ho <laughs> ho, happy fair. Your eyes are load stars, and your tongue sweet air. More tunable than lark to shepherd's ear when wheat is green, when hawthorn buds appear. <laughs> Sickness is catching. Oh, her favor so. Yours would I catch, fair Hermia, ere I go. <laughs> my ear should catch your voice, my eye your eye. My tongue should catch your tongue, sweet melody. Were the world mine, Demetrius, being baited, the rest I'd give to be to you translated. <laughs> Teach me how you look, and with what art you sway the motion of Demetrius's heart. I frown on him, yet he loves me still. Oh, that your frowns would teach my smiles such skill. I give him curses, yet he gives me love. Ha! That my prayers could such affection move. The more I hate, the more he follows me. The more I love, the more he hateth me. His folly, Helena, is no fault of mine. None but your beauty. <laughs> With that fault were mine. Take comfort. He no more shall see my face. Lysander and myself will fly from this place. Before the time I did Lysander see seemed Athens as paradise to me. Ah, oh, then, what grace is in my love to dwell, that he hath turned a heaven unto hell. Helen, to you our minds we will unfold. Tomorrow night when Phoebe doth behold her silver visage in the watery glass, Decking with liquid pearl the bladed grass, A time that lovers' flights doth still conceal, Through Athens' gates have we devised to steal. And in the wood, where often you and I Upon faint primrose beds were wont to lie, Emptying our bosoms of their counsel sweet, There my Lysander and myself shall meet, And thence from Athens turn away our eye To seek new friends and stranger companies. Farewell, sweet playfellow. Pray thou for us, and good luck grant thee thy Demetrius. Keep word, Lysander. We must starve our sights from lovers' food till morrow deep midnight. I will my Hermia. <sighs> Helena, adieu. As you on him, Demetrius dote on you. How happy some o'er other some can be. Through Athens I am thought as fair as she. But what of that? Demetrius thinks not so. He will not know what all but he do know. And as he errs, doting on Hermia's eyes, 
so I, admiring of his qualities, things base and vile, holding no quantity, love can transpose to form and dignity. Love looks not with the eyes, but with the mind, and therefore is winged Cupid painted blind? Nor hath love's mind of any judgment taste. Wings and no eyes figure unheedy haste. And therefore is love said to be a child, because in choice he is so oft beguiled. As waggish boys and game themselves forswear, so the boy love is perjured everywhere. For ere Demetrius looked on Hermia's eyne, he held down oaths that he was only mine. And when this hail some heat from Hermia felt, so he dissolved, and showers of oaths did melt. I will go tell him of fair Hermia's flight. Then to the wood will he to-morrow night. Pursue her, and for this intelligence, if I think thanks, it is not a dear expense, but herein mean I to enrich my pain, to have his sight thither and back again. Is all our company here? You were best to call them generally, man by man, according to the script. Here is the scroll of every man's name which is thought fit through all Athens to play in our interlude before the Duke and the Duchess on his wedding day at night. First, good Peter Quince, say what the play treats on, then read the names of the actors, and so grow to a point. Mary, our play is... The most lamentable comedy and most cruel death of Pyramus and Thisbe. A very good piece of work, I assure you, and a merry. Now, good Peter Quince, call forth your actors by the scroll. Masters, spread yourselves. Answer as I call you. Nick Bottom, the weaver. Ready. Name what part I am for and proceed. You, Nick Bottom, are set down for Pyramus. What is Pyramus? A lover or a tyrant? A lover that kills himself most gallant for love. That will ask some tears in the true performing of it. If I do it, let the audience look to their eyes. I will move storms, I will condole in some measure. To the rest. Yet, my chief humor is for a tyrant. I could play Ercles rarely, or a part to tear a cat in to make all split. The raging rocks and shivering shocks shall break the locks of prison gates. And Phoebus car shall shine from far and make and mar the foolish fates. <laughs> this was lofty. Now name the rest of the players. This is Ercles' vein, a tyrant's vein, a lover's more condoling. Francis Flute, the bellows mender. Here, Peter Quince. Flute, you must take Thisbe on you. 
What is Thisbe, a wandering knight? It is the lady that Pyramus must love. Nay, Faith, let not me play a woman. I have a beard coming. That's all one. You shall play it in a mask, and you may speak as small as you will. And I may hide my face. Let me play Thisbe, too. I'll speak in a monstrous little voice. Thisbe, Thisbe, ah, Pyramus, my lover dear, thy Thisbe dear and lady dear. No, no, you must play Pyramus and flute, you Thisbe. Well, proceed. Robin Starfling, the tailor. Here, Peter Quince. Robin Starfling, you must play Thisbe's mother. Tom Snout, the tinker. Here, Peter Quince. You, Pyramus's father. Myself, Thisbe's father, Snug the joiner. You, the lion's part. And I hope here is a play fitted. Have you the lion's part written? Pray you if it be, give it me, for I am slow of study. You may do it extempore, for it is nothing but roaring. Let me play the lion, too. I will roar that I will do any man's heart good to hear me. I will roar that I will make the duke say, let him roar again, let him roar again. And you should do it too terribly. You would fright the duchess and the ladies that they would shriek, and that were enough to hang us all. That would hang us every mother's son. I grant you, friends, if you should fright the ladies out of their wits, they would have no more discretion but to hang us. But I will aggravate my voice so that I will roar you as gently as any sucking dove. I will roar you and twere any nightingale. You can play no part but Pyramus, for Pyramus is a sweet-faced man, a proper man as one shall see in a summer's day, a most lovely gentleman-like man. Therefore, you must needs play Pyramus. Well, I will undertake it. What beard were I best to play it in? I what you will. I will discharge it in either your straw color beard, your orange tawny beard, your purple and green beard, or your French crown color beard, your perfect yellow. Some of your French crowns have no hair at all, and then you will play barefaced, ha! But, masters, here are your parts, and... I am to entreat you, request you, and desire you to come them by tomorrow and meet me in the palace wood, a mile within the town by moonlight. There will we rehearse, for if we meet in the city, we shall be dogged with company and our devices known. In the meantime, I will draw a bill of property such as our play wants. I pray you fail me not. We will meet, and there we may rehearse most obscenely and courageously. Take pains, be perfect. Adieu. At the Duke's Oak we meet. Enough. Hold or cut bowstrings.
spirit, whither wander you? Over hill, over dale, thorough bush, thorough briar, over park, over pale, thorough flood, thorough fire. I do wander everywhere, swifter than the moon's sphere, and I serve the fairy queen to do her orbs upon the green. The cowslips tall her pensioners be, in their gold coat spots you see, those be rubies fairy favors, in those freckles live their savors. I must go seek some dewdrops here, and hang a pearl in every cowslip's ear. Farewell, thou lob of spirits, all be gone. Our queen and all her elves, come here anon. The king doth keep his revels here tonight. <laughs> Take heed the queen come not within his sight, for Oberon is passing fell and wrath, because that she, as her attendant, hath a lovely boy stolen from an Indian king. She never had so sweet a changeling, and jealous Oberon would have the child, knight of his train, to trace the forests wild. But she perforce withholds the loved boy, crowns him with flowers, and makes him all her joy. And now they never meet in grove or green, by fountain clear or spangled starlight sheen. But they do square, <laughs> that all their elves, for fear, creep into acorn cups and hide them there. Either I mistake your shape in making quite, or else you are that shrewd and knavish sprite called Robin Goodfellow. Are not you he that frights the maidens of the villagery, skim milk and sometimes labor in the quern, and bootless make the breathless huswife churn, and sometime make the drink to bear no barm, mislead night wanderers, laughing at their harm? Those that hobgoblin call you and sweet puck, you do their work, and they shall have good luck. Are not you he? Thou speak'st aright. I am that merry wanderer of the night. I jest to Oberon and make him smile when I, a fat bean fed horse, beguile, neighing in likeness of a filly foal. And sometime lurk I in a gossip's bowl in very likeness of a roasted crab. And when she drinks against her lips, I bob and on her withered dewlap pour the air. <laughs> The wisest end, telling the saddest tale, sometime for a three-foot stool mistaketh me. Then slip I from her bum, and down topples she, and Taylor cries and falls into a cough, and the whole choir hold their hips in loth, and waxen in their mirth, and knees and swear, a merrier hour was never wasted there. <laughs> Room fairy, here comes Oberon. And here my mistress. Would that he were gone. All met by moonlight, proud Titania. What, jealous Oberon? Fairies, skip hence. I have forsworn his bed and company. Terry, rash wanton. Am I not thy lord? Then I must be thy lady. But I know when thou hast stolen away from fairyland, and in the shape of coin sat all day playing on pipes of corn and versing love to amorous Philida. Why art thou here? Come from the farthest steep of India, but that forsooth 
the bouncing Amazon? Your buskined mistress and your warrior love to Theseus must be wedded. And you come to give their bed joy and prosperity. <laughs> How canst thou thus for shame, Titania, glance at my credit with Hippolyta, knowing I know thy love to Theseus? Didst thou not lead him through the glimmering night from Paragonia, whom he ravished, and make with him fair Aegilus break his faith from Ariadne to Antiopa? These are the forgeries of jealousy, and never since the middle summer spring met we on hill, in dale, forest, or mead, by paved fountain or by rushy brook, or in the beached margent of the sea, to dance our ringlets to the whistling wind, but with thy brawls thou hast disturbed our sport. Therefore the winds, piping to us in vain, as in revenge have sucked up from the sea contagious fogs, which, falling in the land, hath every pelting river made so proud that they have overborne their continents. The ox hath therefore stretched his yoke in vain, the plowman lost his sweat, and the green corn hath rotted ere his youth attained a beard. The fold stands empty in the drowned field, and crows are fatted with the murrain flock. The nine men's morris is filled up with mud, and the quaint mazes in the wanton green, for lack of tread, are undistinguishable. The human mortals want their winter here. No night is now with him or Carol blessed. Therefore the moon, the governess of floods, pale in her anger, washes all the air that rheumatic diseases do abound. And thorough this distemperature we see the seasons alter. Hoary-headed frosts fall in the fresh lap of the crimson rose. And on old Hyam's thin and icy crown, an odorous chaplet of sweet summer buds is as in mockery, set. The spring, the summer, the childing autumn, angry winter change their wanted liveries, and the mazed world by their increase now knows not which is which. And this same progeny of evils comes from our debate, from our dissension. We are their parents and original. Do you amend it then? It lies in you. Why should Titania cross her Oberon? I do but beg a little changeling boy to be my henchman. Set your heart at rest. The fairyland buys not the child of me. His mother was a votress of my order, and in the spiced Indian air by night full often hath she gossiped by my side, and sat with me on Neptune's yellow sands, marking them barked traitors on the flood. And we have laughed to see the sails conceive and grow big-bellied with the wanton wind, which she, with pretty and with swimming gait following, her womb then rich with my young squire, would imitate and sail upon the land to fetch me trifles and return again as from a voyage rich with merchandise. But she, being mortal, of that boy did die. And for her sake do I rear up her boy, and for her sake I will not part with him. How long within this wood intend you stay? Perchance till after Theseus's wedding day. If you will patiently dance in our round and see our moonlight revels, go with us. 
If not, shun me, and I will spare your haunts. Give me that boy, and I will go with thee. Not for thy fairy kingdom. Fairies, away. We shall try downright if I longer stay. Well, go thy way. Thou shalt not from this grove till I torment thee for this injury. My gentle Puck, come hither. Thou rememberest since I once sat upon a promontory and heard a mermaid on a dolphin's back uttering a dulcet and harmonious breath that the rude sea grew civil at her song. And certain stars shot madly from their spears to hear this maiden's music. Ah, I remember. That very time I saw, but thou couldst not. Flying between the cold moon and earth, Cupid all armed, a certain aim he took, at a fair vestal throned by the west, and loosed his love shaft smartly from his bow, as it should pierce a hundred thousand hearts. But I might see young Cupid's fiery shaft quenched in the chaste beams of watery moon, and the imperial Vatris passed on in maiden meditation, fancy free, yet marked I where the bolt of Cupid fell. It fell upon a little western flower. Before, milk white, now purple with love's wound, and maiden calls it lovin' idleness. Fetch me that flower, the herb I showed thee once. The juice of it upon sleeping eyelids laid will make man or woman madly dote upon the next live creature that it sees. Fetch me this herb, and be thou here again, ere the leviathan can swim a league. I'll put a girdle round about the earth in forty minutes. <laughs> Having once this juice, I'll watch Titania when she is asleep and drop the liquor of it in her eyes. The next thing, then, she, waking, looks upon, be it lion, bear, wolf, or bull, or meddling monkey, or on busy ape, she shall pursue it with the soul of love. And ere I take this charm off her sight, as I can take it with another herb, I'll make her render up her page to me. <laughs> but who comes here? I am invisible, and I will overhear their conference. I love thee not, therefore pursue me not. Where is Lysander and fair Hermia? The one I'll stay, the other stayeth me. Thou toldst me they were stolen unto this wood, and here am I, and wood within this wood, because I cannot meet my Hermia. Hence, get thee gone, and follow me no more. <laughs> you draw me, you hard-hearted adamant. But yet you draw not iron, for my heart is true as steel. Leave you your power to draw, and I shall have no power to follow you. Do I entice you? Do I speak you fair? Or rather, do I in plaintiff truth tell you I do not? 
nor I cannot love you. And even for that, do I love you the more. I am your spaniel, and Demetrius, the more you beat me, I will fawn on you. Use me, but as your spaniel, spurn me, strike me, neglect me, lose me. Only give me leave, unworthy as I am, to follow you. What worser place can I beg in your love, and yet a place of high respect with me, than to be used as you use your dog? Tip me not too much the hatred of my spirit, for I am sick when I do look on thee. And I am sick when I look not on you. You do impeach your modesty too much to leave the city and commit yourselves into the hands of one that loves you not. To trust the opportunity of night and the ill counsel of a desert place with the rich worth of your virginity. Your virtue is my privilege. For that, it is not night when I do see your face. Therefore, I think I am not in the night, nor doth this wood lack worlds of company. For you, in my respect, are all the world. Then how can it be said I am alone when all the world is here to look on me? I'll run from thee and hide me in the brakes and leave thee to the mercy of wild beasts. <laughs> the wildest hath not such a heart as you. Run when you will. The story shall be changed. Apollo flies and Daphne holds the chase. The dove pursues the griffin. The mild hind makes speed to catch the tiger. Bootless speed. When cowardice pursues and valor flies. I will not stay thy question. Let me go. Or if thou follow me, do not believe. But I shall do thee mischief in this wood. Aye, in the temple, in the town, the field, you do me mischief, by Demetrius. Your wrongs do set a scandal on my sex. We cannot fight for love as men may do. We should be wooed, and we're not made to woo. I'll follow thee, and make a heaven out of hell, to die upon the hand I love so well. Fare thee well, nymph. Ere he do leave this grove, thou shalt fly him, and he shall seek thy love. <gasps> Hast thou the flower there? Welcome, wanderer. There it is. I pray thee, give it me. I know a bank where the wild thyme blows, where oxlips and nodding violet grows, quite overcanopied with luscious woodbine and sweet musk groves with eglantine. There sleeps Titania some time of the night, lulled in these flowers with dances and delight, and there the snake throws her enameled skin, weed wide enough to wrap a fairy in, and with the juice of this I'll streak her eyes, and make her full of hateful fantasies. Take thou some of it, and seek this grove. A sweet Athenian lady is in love with a disdainful youth. Anoint his eyes, but do it when the next thing he espies may be the lady, thou shalt know the man by the Athenian garments he has on. Affect it with some care, that he may prove, and more fond on her than she upon her love. And look thou meet ere the first cock crow.
crow. Fear not, my lord. Your servant shall do so. song. Then, for the third part of the minute, hence. Some to kill cankers in the musk-rose buds, some war with rarimus for their leathern wings, to make my small elves coats, and some keep back the clamorous owl that nightly hoots and wonders at our quaint spirits. Sing me now asleep, then to your offices and let me rest. Snakes with a double tongue, thorny hedgehogs be not seen, newts and blind worms do no wrong, come not near our fairy queen, fill a bell with melody, sing in our sweet lullaby. What thou seest when thou dost wake, do it for thy true love take. Love and languish for his sake, be it ounce or cat or bear, pard or boar with bristled hair in thy eye. That shall appear when thou wakest, it is thy dear. Wake when some vile thing is near. Fair love, you faint with wandering in the wood, and to speak truth, I have forgot our way. We'll rest us, Hermia, if you think it good, and tarry for the comfort of the day. Be it so, Lysander. Find you out of bed, for I upon this bank will rest my head. One turf shall serve as a pillow for us both. One heart, one bed, two bosoms, and one troth. Nay, good Lysander, 
For my sake, my dear. Lie farther off yet. Don't lie so near. Oh! Take the sense, sweet, of my innocence. Love takes the meaning in love's conference. I mean that my heart unto yours is knit, so that but one heart we can make of it. Two bosoms interchained with an oath, so then two bosoms and a single troth. Then by your side no bedroom me deny. For lying so, Hermia, I do not lie. Lysander riddles very prettily. Now much beshrew my manners and my pride, if Hermia meant to say Lysander lied. But gentle friend, for love and courtesy, lie farther off in human modesty. Such separation, as may well be said, becomes a virtuous bachelor and a maid. So far be distant, and good night, sweet friend. Thy love ne'er alter till thy sweet life end. Amen. Amen to that fair prayer, say I. And then in life when I in loyalty. Here's my bed. Sleep give thee all his rest. With half that wish, the wisher's eyes be pressed. Through the forest have I gone, but Athenian found I none, on whose eyes I might approve this flower's force in stirring love. <laughs> Ah. Night and silence? Who is here? Weeds of Athens he doth wear. Hmm. <gasps> this is he, my master said, despised the Athenian maid. Oh, and here the maiden, sleeping sound on the dank and dirty ground. Hmm. Pretty soul. She durst not lie near this lack love, this kill courtesy. Churl, upon thy eyes I throw all the power this charm doth owe. When thou wakest, let love forbid. Sleep his seat on thy eyelid. So awake when I am gone. For I must now to Oberon. <laughs> Stay, though thou kill me, sweet Demetrius. I charge thee, hence, and do not haunt me thus. <laughs> Wilt thou, darkling, leave me? Do not so. Stay on thy peril. I alone will go. Oh, I am out of breath in this fond chase. The more my prayer, the lesser is my grace. Happy is Hermia, wheresoe'er she lies. For she hath blessed and attractive eyes. How came her eyes so bright? Not with salt tears. If so, my eyes are oftener washed than hers. No, no, I am as ugly as a bear. For beasts that meet me run away with fear. Therefore no marvel, though Demetrius, do as a monster fly my presence thus. 
What wicked and dissembling glass of mine made me compare to Hermia's fiery eye? <gasps> but who is here? Lysander on the ground, dead or asleep. I see no blood, no wound. Lysander, if you live, good sir, awake. And run through fire I will for thy sweet sake. Transparent Helena, nature shows art that through thy bosom makes me see thy heart. Where is Demetrius? Oh, how fit a word is that vile name to perish on my sword. Do not say so, Lysander, say not so. What though he loves your Hermia, Lord, what though? Yet Hermia still loves you, then be content. Content with Hermia? No, I do repent the tedious minutes I have with her spent. Not Hermia, but Helena I love. Who will not change a raven for a dove? The will of man is by his reason swayed, and reason says you are the worthier maid. Things growing are not ripe until their season, so I, being young, till now ripe not to reason. And touching now the point of human skill, reason becomes the marshal to my will and leads me to your eyes where I o'erlook love's stories written in love's richest book. <laughs> Wherefore was I to this keen mockery born? When at your hands did I deserve this scorn? Is't not enough, is't not enough, young man, that I did never know, nor never can, deserve a sweet look from Demetrius's eye? But you must flout my insufficiency? Good troth, you do me wrong, good sooth, you do, in such disdainful manner me to woo. <laughs> but fare you well. Perforce, I must confess, I thought you lord of more true gentleness. <laughs> oh, that a lady of one man refused should of another therefore be abused. She sees not Hermia. No, Hermia, sleep thou there, and never mayest thou come Lysander near, for as a surfeit of the sweetest things the deepest loathing to the stomach brings, or as the heresies that men do leave are hated most of those they did deceive, so thou, my surfeit and my heresy of all be hated but the most of me. And all my powers address your love and might to honor Helen and to be her knight. Look how I do quake with fear. Methought a serpent ate my heart away, and you sat smiling at his cruel prey. Lysander, what? Removed? Lysander, Lord! What, what out of hearing? Gone? 
no sound. No word. Alack, where are you? Speak, and if you hear, speak of all loves. I swoon almost with fear. No? Then I well perceive you are not nigh. Either death or you I will find immediately. Thank mm -hmm. you.